How much do you know about pregnancy and alcohol? The reality may surprise you. Alcohol exposure while in the womb may cause fetal alcohol spectrum disorder in unborn children. It may lead to lifelong physical and or neurodevelopmental impairments such as problems with memory, attention, cause and effect reasoning, and difficulties in adapting to situations. For such an impactful disorder, it is rarely spoken about in the popular media. This podcast will take you behind the scenes to chat with the people who understand FASD. This is Pregnancy and Alcohol, The Surprising Reality. Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this episode of Pregnancy and Alcohol, The Surprising Reality. My name is Kurt Lewis, as ever, your friendly neighbourhood podcaster. As many of you will no doubt remember, I interviewed a biological mother of a child with FASD called Sophie. Although not necessary to listen to this episode, I advise you to give those episodes a listen if you haven't already. Links in the show notes below. Today, I have the honour of interviewing Sophie's husband, Bob. He's agreed to sit down with me and chat about being a biological father to a child with FASD. How's it going, Bob? Yeah, well, thanks, Kurt. Very well, thanks. Thanks for inviting me to your podcast show. Well, thank you for coming and agreeing to have a chat with me. I've listened to your podcast on your library and I've had a bit of time off work recently with an injury, so I've spent a bit of time working for the podcast and I enjoy the podcasts. I listen to quite a few from the UK, my family are all back there and do follow the news and, and some crime podcasts I particularly like and uh, mm-hmm. obviously work into space of FASD with my son with his diagnosis. I particularly found the one that you did with Jessica, who's got a FASD diagnosis of particular help for myself, understanding mm-hmm. how she deals with her world. And I just found her to be very, very positive and enthusiastic and and forward-looking. So even though it was a bit of a, a shock to the diagnosis of, for our son, in terms of how Jessica presented to us herself and how she would looks forward to her future life and support her from the family. I, mean, I feel very fortunate and very positive for us on moving forward. Your amazing wife, Sophie, has participated in a couple of these interviews with me in the past. Did you have a listen to these podcasts? Did you? What did you think of those particular episodes? Yeah, fantastic. My wife's been a, a massive driver in terms of getting our son to a diagnosis and she does a tremendous job. She lives and breathes it and she's been instrumental really in driving us forward to getting our son diagnosis and the support he needs through his schooling years and the future journey he's got in his life. So no, she does a great job. I'm very, very proud of her and you know, she does a, a, I enjoy this podcast immensely. Do you remember when you first learned about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder? Do you, do you remember where you were at the time? Yeah, I'd say it's about probably three years ago. The journey before that was when our son was was young. He was born a, a typical happy, bouncing eight and a half, nine pound baby boy. He came out screaming as they do, and he had no other symptoms that suggest there's anything else wrong. But over the last few years, we've definitely seen for myself some traits that, even though Sophie was pushing that forward as being, is there something else going on? I suppose. Myself seeing a strong, strapping young lad who towers over his mom now that maybe she was seeing things I couldn't see. I was like 14 years in the military and I, you know, was looking at my son who were maybe being a bit lazy in some tasks. You know, we'd work around the house and do things in the home and, and do things together, but some of the things he really struggled with. And I think for me, it kind of came to light that maybe there was something. Uh, not right and we need to support him with and that was coming from school as well he wasn't meeting his key targets through his schooling years 
for me, I was relying on the teachers as professionals to be the ones that were saying there was something wrong. They were saying, oh, he's just a typical boy. He's just a few months behind where he should be. He's got a great personality. He's funny. He's, he's engaging and he just needs to focus. So I was taking that as being, well, he's absolutely fine. But, uh, you know, Sophie was driving more that he wasn't meeting any of his key indicators and targets. And I suppose for me, I was talking to my family back in the UK saying, this is how he is. And they were saying, well, that's how you were when you were young. He's just a boy. And I was saying that, when we were in our 20s and 30s, we both worked very hard full time and we would spend just the weekend having a social drink together, talking about what happened in the week and on a Friday and Saturday. And we never drank to excess at all. We just maybe had a few beers and got to a point where we were tipsy and then go home and have a takeaway. And I personally thought at the time before I actually understood FASD that alcohol was okay to you know, have a drink and, and we're trying to have a family. And that was probably supported by the fact that we also went to a midwife as well who was encouraging a glass of wine a week was okay. At no point did I ever think that any alcohol at all during pregnancy was a problem until obviously recently. And yeah, it's, it's been, a, been a bit of a journey, like Jessica mentioned, and uh, we've been there to support son through that journey. And, you know, I suppose traits that came through for me just recently over the last couple of years was the fact that my son wouldn't engage when going to the movies or watching TV shows. He found noise and fast-moving screens to be a real challenge for him, almost overwhelming. And then I start to notice things like if you touch things in the kitchen or like dishes or plates or knives, he'd thoroughly wash his hands. You feel like he'd been contaminated. And just last week, uh, I was making a sandwich for my other son and he has ham and cheese in a roll. And I got the wrong way around and I took the ham out of my son's roll. I was going to put Marmite in and he actually had a, almost a meltdown because for him, the thought of the ham being on the cheese in the roll was overwhelming. He'd rather not eat that roll and, and go hungry. He's got a great appetite because for him mentally and, and the touch wise and taste wise and texture wise, it was just too much. Mm. So I found that really quite interesting as well. Because that goes beyond just not wanting to eat the ham. It just It's a sensory issue at the end of the day. Absolutely. It's, yeah, it's For not, sure. Mm, and that's not what many people would understand. And not many pe- people would take what you've just said as a, an incident of FASD. That's right, yeah. And for him, it was very different. You could see the real workings in his brain going on that that was just too much for him and convention with with tv and things uh someone will come and sit with us an evening and opposed to watching a tv show he'd rather not watch it because he doesn't understand what's being said he'd rather ask myself and sophie to what's going on so we can explain it to him what the story is so for me Kurt, that's been a big learning you know i was 14 years in the military we get things done in a different way in the military you're kind of told to get things done and i suppose for me it's a whole new learning as a father around a child with, with a FASD diagnosis that i have to change my way of thinking because i was frustrated to start with that i'd given what i perceived to be a simple task and he wouldn't either do the task or he do the task not to the kind of standard i, I thought it'd be done to i have to work back now and actually step him through and not give him too many steps at in one go, if that makes sense. So I have to go step by step by step and also work with them to kind of visualize the, the end goal, what, what it should look like at the end and not become frustrated by that. It takes a long time, but in terms of making him feel safe at home where he should feel safe and comfortable and being able to ask questions, we need to generate an environment where he can feel trusted and that the end goal is what we all hope for and I hope for and I can praise him for that. So it's been a bit of a journey for me, that one. <laughs> Before Sophie came back with the idea that your son might have FASD, you didn't know anything about this disorder? 
No, I'm, I'm, an, I'm a nurse by, by trade. I've been a nurse now for 20, 20 plus years. I've yeah. worked in various arenas around the world. And at no point in my medical training were we ever taught FASD was ever mentioned. You know, I run a primary health centre down south here in WA and you know, and working with the nurse that looked after the, the child healthcare nurse, she never mentioned any conditions or concerns around those that are presenting with children to the clinic around alcohol drinking. This is going back 10 years now. So no, I wasn't aware at all until Sophie brought into the agenda and actually started to real dive into the condition and actually look at what the conditions were and how they present. And with our son not meeting any milestones at school and really struggling and, and struggling at home cut as well. You know, he'd come home and he'd be given some homework and I could physically see him draining within minutes. You know, you get the workbook out and his agitation, his tiredness from being at school, you could see him just drain white and he'd, he'd go dark under the eyes and he was exhausted, absolutely exhausted. So all these little things were coming together to say, well, there's something not quite right here. And as I say, I was relying on probably myself too much on school to pick up on these things. But invariably, you know, I now understand that the teachers are unaware of presentations of FASD. Yeah. And over the years, unfortunately, Brody's probably been punished for his behavior in class where he's struggling to understand what's going on. And therefore the teachers understand have got to move on with the class lesson, but he's becoming destructive to the class because he's confused. And then he gets sent out to a buddy class. So it's tough for, for him. I think it's tough for teachers, but what would, would say to parents of their seeing their children presenting with these conditions that, you know, they should really question that and, and seek the support we've done. It's been a long, long, long journey which has evolved going to the GP and the GP is not really understanding what the condition is and then referring us on to paediatric consultants. And thankfully, we saw a paediatric informed FASD consultant who then referred us on to a neuroscience consultant who, after further questioning with, with our son, came to the condition of he's on the spectrum of FASD and also ADHD. It sounds like you just went through a long journey of doctors and all that sort of thing. What kept you wanting to go down this journey? What made you want to go to the next physician and the next consultant, yeah. the next uh, doctor? What what drove you through all that? Well, when I came around to the idea and that you know, Soph was was correct in terms of her drive to a diagnosis, the amount of information she was producing was suggesting that our son did have an underlying condition. That was a drive for us to try and get him the support and help he needs. He's a fantastic young man. Uh, you know, he's, he's fun. He's outgoing. He's got dreams and goals, as we all do. His latest one is to get himself a trial bike, and he's got the plans to become a diesel mechanic. Oh, wow. He's secured weekend work, doing some fencing work and driving diggers and tractors and putting fence posts in and putting fencing up. He's also got himself into a day release from school to go and work in a mechanical workshop. So we're immensely proud of what he's doing. And every day he gets up and I know it's a challenge for him, but he gets dressed and he goes to school and, he, and you know, he doesn't particularly like it, he struggles, but he goes. And that just shows a tremendous amount of resilience that he has. So for us as parents and supporting him with his natural wanting to improve himself, we've got to drive it forward to a diagnosis which we've done now and we can now go to the school with an official report to say this is what he has and please be understanding of his condition and let's help him work with you guys at the school to get him through to where he needs to be to achieve the best he can be and for us moving forward as well engaging with NDIS to see what supports they can offer him moving through his future life. Has that changed your son's life? Has that notifying the school going through NDIS has that helped your son? 
To a degree, it has. Some teachers are accepting of it. Some teachers are maybe but the older school are, old school aren't. They just see the behaviour as being he's just annoying 15-year-old. I suppose the biggest challenge for us moving forward is for our son to accept he has a condition, and that's something we're working with him right now. He's at an age where he is, even though he's as big as he is, he's mentally a few years behind his size, if that makes sense. So we've got to be careful how we work through that. He's wanting to be out with his mates and do the things that young boys do. And to have a, a diagnosis of a disability for him is going to be something to work through with him to, so he can fully understand it. So as he gets older, he can navigate the world in a way that can work for him. Does it frustrate you when you come across people who don't want to accept, like those teachers you mentioned about who just believe it's just boys being boys, something's dumb like that? Does, it, does that frustrate you or what, how um, do you feel? It, yeah, it does. I suppose I reflect how I was initially. I was a bit sceptical when Sophie's driving has the condition. I was thinking, well, he looks fine. He's strong. He's fit. He's you know a good-looking young man. And I'm thinking, well, he's just... You know, he's just being a 15-year-old who's been a bit lazy. So I've come right around now with all the information I've learned and, and read about to being a bit frustrated that teachers don't take this condition seriously. And we know there's a lot of children out there who do have a, a background or a potential FASD diagnosis. But I also appreciate well as well that the system isn't set up for the one-on-one teaching. So he has got class he goes to outside of the normal mainstream class, which has been fantastic. And there's, some of the teachers there have also supported him in access to go and attend this one day at this mechanical workshop as well. So they've worked with a company to support children with a disability to go to find places where they can be employed or potentially have an apprenticeship down the track by an employer who's aware of a condition they have. So that's been really good. So I'd say for the most, it's been fairly positive from school with some of the teachers, but a couple of teachers are still quite challenging. In saying that, what is it like parenting a child with FASD? I'm I'm not a parent myself, so I'm not I don't know, but what is it like parenting a child with FASD? What are the major challenges? I know you mentioned a few of them already, such as trying to get them to understand FASD at the end of the day, but what are some of the other challenges you've you've had to face? I think it's understanding for him, for us, that there is certain things that he will say and do. He's very rigid in his thinking. Some of his thoughts are quite confronting because he comes from a very black and white there's no grey at all. Mm. He's heading into teenage years. So that's also another thing as well. So we're trying to balance those and, and natural things that are happening from as he's growing into, into a man with his FASD condition. As I mentioned, you know, he's born a happy boy. We, we live down south. We've really kind of encouraged and nurtured him to be outdoors. And he loves being near the water, interestingly. He finds water really calming. Mm. And living down where we did, it was well, on the coast. So it was fantastic. Yeah, he's always a natural inkling towards motors and engines, so we've always encouraged. It's just around working with him, his condition. And probably, Kurt's not so much for my son to learn, for me to learn, to be honest, because I'm a you know, 50-year-old man who expects certain things to be done in a certain way, and I've got to really change a 25 years of, of mindset around how to talk to him and support him and care for him in his needs because the things he does sometimes... It is confronting for me and challenging for me, if I'm being honest, and I have to control what I want to say to try and make it a constructive conversation and not alienate him or make him feel unsafe or unhappy. And I'm always checking in how he's going and, and you know trying to teach him the best I can with what I've learned over the years. And it's just different to my other son, who is probably a mainstream child, who does atypical things where we have to learn that 
our other son who needs some more guidance and some support. And we're both on the same page, both myself and and Sofa, around how we're going to do that moving forward. And we'll be with him as long as he needs us to be there and support him through the challenge he's going to face. You don't have to answer this one. I just I asked Sophie this very same kind of question. I, w- I wanted to ask you, feel free, don't have to answer this one, but do you feel guilty about your son having FASD? Is there a level of guilt with you personally? Not so much for me. When we were younger in our 20s and we were, we've been out for 23 years and uh, we were going, as mentioned, social end of the week, so we didn't see any harm in having a few drinks in the week and we never drank to excess. Mm-hmm. So our families knew we were trying to start a family and they were at no point did they ever say, well, you shouldn't be drinking any alcohol. And like I mentioned, the midwife was encouraging alcohol at the time, which I know is in some cases still the case. But Mm. for us, for me personally, I feel a little bit sad for him, but I'm also encouraged by support that he will now have for us moving forward, understanding the condition he has. And me supporting Soph in terms of being a mother of a child with FASD, because I think the mothers of the children often carry more of the more of a feeling of guilt, even though they shouldn't, because of the, the information wasn't there at the time. Yeah. And it's for me to support both on this journey. Thank you for answering that. Now for my final one, the biggest question I ask all my interview guests. Is there more our listeners could be doing as individuals or we could be doing as a whole society to help support people with FASD? We live in a beautiful country right across Australia and fantastic weather and beaches and, and that kind of brings out a culture of cafes and drinking, a drinking culture. And it's around, I suppose, going right back to education for, for everyone. It's a condition that's preventable, absolutely, if the knowledge is out there. And when you look at the healthcare that I've currently working and come from, it's a whole ribbon right through from the doctors to the midwives to the GPs to the child healthcare nurses, all being informed that you know alcohol shouldn't be drank at all during or before trying to get pregnant, and for the partner as well to support the prospective mum on that journey as well. Had I known, or had we known back you know 15 years ago that no alcohol at all, we would have absolutely done that. And I would have supported both on that journey for the time period that she was pregnant and until birth. And so really it's a societal thing. It's around getting the the culture of drinking taken seriously. You know, it's it's a big thing here. Everywhere you go, it's advertising alcohol. There's, it's on billboards and on TV and, and sports channels and everything else. But it's just about making people aware that any alcohol during pregnancy is absolutely dangerous and shouldn't be done. And it's just an education piece for the government to accept that and for companies like NoFASD to go out there and and promote and and support and and actually get out there and and, and give the message, which I think they do fantastically well with other agencies. Just for other parents as well, is to actually think there's something wrong with their their child. They're not meeting the criteria and they're... The teacher's saying it's just something that they'll grow out of. It's to really pursue that. You know, I probably sat back myself too much and I should have maybe been a bit more of a driver in terms of driving what was going on and pursuing and following up to why our son wasn't meeting the key targets and why he was displaying the symptoms he was. I should have more of that. And I, I would fully encourage any parent who's got that little question mark, a little something in the stomach saying something's not quite right to really challenge what's been said and, and get the support they need. Trust your gut at the end of the day. Absolutely. Just wanted to say, Bob, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me today. I imagine it must have been easy, some of those some of those questions, but I just wanted to thank you for coming on. Okay. 
Great. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Kurt. Thank you for listening to this episode of Pregnancy and Alcohol, The Surprising Reality. Please tune in next week for another episode of Our Little Podcast. If you like this podcast episode, then please show your support by leaving a rating and review on iTunes. Every little bit helps. All rights reserved. For more information about FASD, then please go to www.nofasd.org.au.